With the inception and traction that blockchain and crypto has gathered, the world is possibly on the verge of the largest evolution since the mainstream of the internet. Given the fluidity and dynamic nature of this technology, business leaders, enthusiasts, and veterans all need to band together to navigate the current and upcoming storms. Participants in Web 3.0 want a trusted resource that gives them pertinent information about projects, tokens, technology, and businesses. We are business people talking the business of crypto. We are Y Whales. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Y Whales, wherever in the world you are today. Um, so I'm happy to be back. Uh, I've got my co-host today, Siva, and we've got an amazing crew today. And it's it's a big podcast, um, and we've got professional podcasters, and I think that's one of the most important parts. I am not one of those. Uh, I'm just a talking head here. Um, but you know, it is it is May twelfth. Um, so we are, we're deep into kind of Q2, uh, Bitcoin, which was like holding so amazingly steady at, at, at 30 K, uh, is now down in the 26, 26 K range. Um, and it really has to do with, I think some, a couple technical issues, you know, Bitcoin, uh, meme pool filled up, uh, and, and was kind of not doing very well for a minute. Um, and then you also have the, the government announcing they're going to be selling a couple hundred thousand uh, Bitcoin sometime this year. And so people know that that's going to drive the price down. So I, I would say the market is is healthy um, from a, a stance that we haven't you know tanked completely and we're, we're definitely above the 20K mark. Um, but that being said, there's a lot of innovation. And so while crypto prices are, are not always indicative of, of innovation, um, I can say that the, the two guests that we have today absolutely know more about what's going on, in, especially in the NFT and, and digital asset space than really almost anyone. So with that, you know, uh, Josh, you want to kind of give a little bit of your background and then Ethan, we'll head over to you. Yeah, thanks so much uh, for having us, Jay. And, and, you know, you sound pretty professional for an amateur. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. And uh, I just learned something about sort of the, the reason for that Bitcoin price uh, adjustment. I was like wondering myself, what, what's going on there? Because, um, it, yeah, it, it seems kind of uh, a little bit uh, random. But, yeah, news news does impact our, our market for better or worse. Um my name is Josh Krieger. I'm, I'm one of the co-founders of Edge of Company here with one of my fellow co-founders. Our other co-founder, Jeff Kelly, isn't with us today. And, you know, we came together in, in March of 21 to, to start this podcast called Edge of NFT, which led to a whole lot of uh, fun and adventures since then. A little bit more about my background before that is I actually co-founded another company, with Jeff called uh, Territory Foods, which is one of the largest prepared meal companies uh, in in the U.S. And uh, you might wonder, like, how does that lead to Web3? Uh, essentially, the, it was a network of decentralized production. And we did that with uh, chefs, uh, caterers, restaurants all over the country. And we co-created these meals with them and then we launched this in a way where um, they were, you know, equal stakeholders in the success of their own meals. And so this was a pretty revolutionary concept back in 2012, 2013, uh, before Uber Eats was around, um, before shared kitchens were a thing. We almost started our first ever shared kitchen in, in D.C., decided to work with one of the ones there. So at this point, we have over, you know, 50 different chefs around the country producing millions of meals a year. And, and all done with this sort of anti-fragile system and sort of celebrating both parties on the meals. And, and I think there's a lot of similarities to Web3, also from the perspective that it was a recurring subscription-based service um, around community. We worked with over 800 CrossFit gyms, yoga studios before COVID, 
and um, they were also equal stakeholders in the success of, of the project. And so when, you know, fast forward, got into crypto, investing, blockchain, and that was fun. Um, I looked at it from a supply chain perspective back in 2017, 2018. I saw the utility there, but it was missing something for me, which was culture. And, and that's sort of what NFT stood for, for, for me personally, when NBA Top Shots came out and you got to sort of mint these special experiences. And, and Jeff hit it big on, on one of those, I think it was LeBron. But it was a moment for us where something has changed. And the, the idea of digital art just took on a whole new value. And the idea of like co-creating community and sort of winning together um, is now possible in a way that wasn't. And there was this convergence of technology. Similar to when we started uh, Territory Foods, we saw all these trends coming at the same time, healthy eating, uh, living better, being busy, not having time, um, e-commerce. And so we saw all these trends coming together. And we're like, something's going on here. And that was about the same time where I was in a men's group um, called Metal with, with Ethan. And we were sort of getting into conversations, deep conversations about what was going on. He's like, you know, someone should do a podcast about this. And, and so, um, you know, I said, yeah, I know a guy that might want to do this. Uh, I connected him and my partner, Jeff. And then I come back from vacation. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm part of the podcast, too. And, uh, you know, from there, it, uh, it went on to uh, many adventures and, and you know, uh, a round of capital that Animoca Brands led and the creation of NFTLA to bring the physical community element into um, the mix, as, as well as some other things that we've done since then. Um, it all started with that moment back in March of 2021. I love that. And, you know, that's that's really what, you know, blockchain to me, crypto doesn't matter. It's, it's about community. Um, and that's a really weird thing when you're talking about, you know, financial assets, uh, which at the end of the day, it's like, you know, art doesn't matter, but there's, there's so much that that's behind the scenes that most people don't understand. Um, and, and trust doesn't mean anything if you don't have a community, like if you don't, if you're not all moving in the same direction, then you just have chaos. And so sometimes, and, and, you know, I can raise my hand and say this, sometimes you need someone to just stand up and say, I'm going to help guide us all through this. And, and, you know, live events, which we do a lot of are amazing, but we have this thing where, again, you just heard me say, good morning, good afternoon, good night. Like time zones suck. It's the one thing we can't control. And so, you know, it's, it's become that we do podcasts um, to disseminate information. So I, I love that we're on, you know, parallel journeys. And by the way, we started in 21 as well. So it's uh, amazing to have you on. Yeah. Uh, okay. Oh, keep going. Yeah. Just going to say, um, totally relate on the events versus um, the, the sort of digital experience. And, and we find that, that good community requires both. And, and, you know, we've had people go to our events and meet people they've been talking to digitally for, for years and then take the relationship to another level where they might meet a co-founder or an investor or a, a collaborator. And that creates that extra level of, of energetic uh, juice that, that sort of takes the relationship forward um, so we found that it's a healthy mix of both is so important in terms of community building. Man, you, you know, I, we have a, we have a, oh, I'm sorry, Steve, go for it. I was just going to say, you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, we, we had a, a great firsthand experience of this. We, we, Why Whales as a community met up um, in Permissionless last year, and we shared a rooftop with Board Ape Yacht Club, and it was split 50-50. And you had all these apes that 
really were, you know, they were superficially interacting within their own community. And then you had the Wells community who had been discussing and communicating and have formed friendships because they were like-minded individuals rallying around a, a similar topic and similar themes. And the quality of conversation and interaction in person, using those in-person meetups as a facilitation of empowering the community. We had Wells community members that it was like they were greeting long lost friends or friends they had not seen for a year in person versus board ABI club members. When I would go up to the bar and see their interactions, it was like we, they were in a round of speed dating. Who are you? What's your interest? Blah, 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 blah. And you had people when we were beating up just immediately hugging. And the first thing that I'm shocked about is, wow, I didn't realize how tall you were. <laughs> right. And, and I mean, you hit the, I mean, the, the, the in-person events, as an amplification of the community experience for a digital community, I think is a big portion of what a lot of communities aren't really rallying around. And, and I'm glad you made that point. Awesome, awesome. Ethan, sir, how are you doing? You, we've got the height fixed. Everyone's uh, on the same level, so the producers will be happy with us, except for me. I think I can shrink a yeah, little bit. But, uh, great, to, great to meet you today. Yeah, good to meet you. Yeah, so I guess we're still getting into some background, um, and I can give a little bit on that uh, for myself. I mean, really, it's basically the same story as Josh, um, just in coming from a different place. So we can just cut right to the... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> as it goes with co-founders, you know, we d definitely have some overlap, but it's actually great that we come from a diverse set of backgrounds. Um, mm -hmm. And my background is more... Um, uh, interestingly enough, on the creative and sort of scientific analytical side. Um, uh, and I do have some entrepreneurship in my background um, as well. But, you know, I'm a piano player. Uh, I studied music in uh, my undergraduate. I got a, a degree in jazz piano performance from Rutgers University, studied with some of the greatest jazz musicians in the world. And, um, but then after that, um, I got into piano tuning, and that led to some entrepreneurship uh, because it's sort of like a solo business. And I, I expanded that um, to form a team at a later date, and that led to some other business opportunities for me in the piano industry. Um, but uh, after going around tuning some pianos and playing some gigs for some years, I, I got bored after graduation from my undergrad, and I thought I might get um, study neuroscience. I just want to take a class at like a local university or something like that. I, don't ask me how the the connection. There there are some, but we don't have time to get into it. But um, long story short, um, I'm searching for opportunities just to learn a little bit more about neuroscience. And actually, through a fellow piano tuner, I met his wife, who was uh, a formerly getting a PhD in neuroscience and working in a laboratory, City University of New York, um, studying bird song and neuroscience and uh i met the 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 leader of the lab the principal investigator over chernikovsky and um and he saw my enthusiasm and he saw that i did a lot of self-study he said hey man come into the lab we'll set you up you're going to do a phd and i said what okay i'm in this sounds like an opportunity so um you know, similar question to what Josh says is how does this all lead to, to where we're at here in, in NFTs and blockchain? I found that my strength in this domain is uh, being able to bring the diversity of experiences 
that I've had, especially with NFTs. Crypto is a little bit more on the financial side, right? That basic thing, which I had exposure to back in 2008. I found it very interesting. I did not buy into Bitcoin because I couldn't figure out how at that point, <laughs> but I was interested and intrigued and, and watching it from afar. And, um, and I would say my neuroscience degree got me distracted from going down that rabbit hole. But uh, when, when I saw NFTs emerging, that was a place where I said, oh, here's, this is interesting. This is a place where, you know, like you said, it's kind of strange, but being interested in finance and art and creativity and community, right, all comes together. Um, so it was a really great place for me to enter. Um, and as Josh said, you know, we just kind of connected immediately as a lot of people are doing in this space in a very organic way. We started the podcast March 20, 2021, and by March 2022, uh, we had NFTLA, what was called NFTLA. One year later, after starting a podcast, we had this event with 3,500 people and Mark Cuban speaking, <laughs> and, and then uh, we ran it back again just this last March. You know, and we've got you know William Shatner on stage, and uh, and some of the, the the coolest people in entertainment, sports, and uh, music, and all these different fields. So it's it's been quite an awesome journey. Yeah, and I'd say at this point you have a PhD in, in blockchain, and that's one of the the coolest things about this is it doesn't really matter where you come from because there's so many different purviews. It, we're all going to be in the same system here. We're all like, how do we get, you know, the, the, the point that Y Whales always makes, and it sounds like you guys have similar, it's all about global adoption. How do we get, you know, the next, not, not million people, how do we get the next 100 million, 200 million, billion people to start utilizing this technology in a safe and effective way? And that's going to take everyone, you know, to be able to use and understand this. And so I, I love, you know, kind of the, the concepts you guys have, which is, we're just figuring this out as we go along. And and let's be clear, anyone who says they have this figured out, like is you know, they're they're lying to themselves because mm -hmm. it constantly is changing, it's shifting. Um, what you knew last year isn't I mean, listen, go back to your podcast you, you guys produced last year. It's a whole different narrative, it's a whole different story. And so, you know, absolutely thrilled uh, to ha to have you guys today. Um so let's. I, I want to kind of dive right into to Edge, um, what you guys are doing, and then Steve and I have a whole bunch of questions around there. But if you wouldn't mind, just kind of giving that rough overview of you know uh, what you guys are focusing on with the podcast and what your kind of goal or mission is would be fabulous. Yeah, absolutely. So you know we're very intentional with with how we name the company Edge of Company, right? Because to your point, um, the conversation is constantly evolving, and we find that to be the case on the show. We've done over 250 episodes now, or in the last two years, it's crazy to say that number out loud. Um, but but it, it has been a PhD in sort of the evolution of the space and the different elements of what is possible with NFT technology when you mash it together with AI and you know, the right infrastructure and DeFi and culture and, you know, DGen art and fine art and whatnot. Edge of Company is essentially a media tech and event company at the edge of emerging technology and blockchain. And, uh, you know, the, the podcast is one of our many things that we do. It's called Edge of NFT. It's really been a broader conversation around Web3 and, and, you know, we touch on DAOs and, and DeFi and AI and, and all those things on that show. Um, so that's one part of, of the company. The, the other part of the company is our events division. We're, we're known for 
uh, NFTLA, uh, now Outer Edge LA, which is sort of our marquee event every March in LA. Uh, however, we've actually done dozens of bespoke events all over the, the world at this point. Um, some of these are, are private events, some of these are smaller symposiums, some of them are evening events. Um, We've done live podcasts, which is always fun, um, you know, to do if, if, if you want to, like, you know, get closer to having an ulcer due to all the technical nuances of, of doing live live shows. And we've figured those out over time. Um, but but the, the essential thing is we have this digital element of our, our business, this physical component. And then we have this enabling technology element that, that we we've sort of started to create as well. So we have a portal, for example, on our website, watch.outeredge.live, where you can see all of our historical NFTLA and Outer Edge content. You can, If you miss the moment where the, the crowd wish William Shatner a happy birthday, you can go see that. Or, you know, if there's some talk um, on community and culture that you're really excited about, but you couldn't get to it because you're on the other side of, of the, the event or, or networking with someone cool you met. Um, no FOMO. So that's why we, we did that sort of area. And then we're, we're looking at other technology to sort of inspire um, community-centric media. And and, mm-hmm. and and so we're we're trying to like drink our own Kool-Aid and push the the boundaries of, mm-hmm. of, of, of this space. Um, one way that we did that was we have an application or you can download Outer Edge LA where you can kind of go in there and chat with people um, you know, that you met at the conference, you know, create new connections together uh, all the time. Um, yeah, there's Discord and, and there's Telegram and, and and there's Twitter. There's a lot of ways to connect and we're just kind of experimenting with it ourselves and, and you know, learning um, as we go around what makes a stronger community. That's amazing. And, and so, you know, you guys have done this, you've hosted the big events. Um, big events. I mean, literally, you know, I, I, I apologize. You, it's been on my uh, list to do is to get to NFTLA the, the last few years. But, you know, it, it's you guys also sell out. Um, so it's a, it's a very hot event. There's so many things going on. What's been the biggest takeaway of, of kind of building this, this media empire that you're doing? Um, you know, what was kind of the biggest thing that surprised you guys through this process? I'll jump in. You know, I, I don't know that it's the biggest surprise, but the first thing c- that comes to mind to me is, um, and we touched upon it earlier, is when you get in a space with like-minded people, um, it, it's, you know, saying a phrase like get in a space with like-minded people doesn't do the justice of the feeling that you have when you uh, connect with someone. I mean, I had a moment when people, people ask me like, what was my favorite moment of, of NFTLA back in 2022? We have been working uh, closely with Nicole Buffett. This is um, Warren Buffett's granddaughter. She's a well-known artist in the digital art NFT space. I'm actually gonna be doing uh, a residency with her soon at, at, a, at a place called Jurassic, where we actually both found out we did a previous residency. Um, and, um, you know, we have been connected. We've been collaborating. We've built a project together, an NFT project. And, uh, and she said, I wanted you to meet my uh, sister. She's got a twin sister and her nephew, and uh, who is autistic, but the sweetest little kid. And I said, I'd love to. And they came in to the, the VIP area, and we all got together. And I looked her nephew in the eyes, 
which is funny because when you t- when people talk about like autistic people, they say they don't like. And we looked right in the eyes. We had this beautiful connection. I swear, I started crying, and I gave this hug to her and her sister and 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 her sister's son, and it was just this connection. I hadn't even ever even really met her sister or even heard of her sister before what was going on, but being able to be together in this space after working remotely so much um, and knowing that sort of people get it on a level that other people don't, right? (laughs) You may have friends, family around you that are great people, but they don't necessarily know exactly, you know, the direction you're thinking or far into the future or whatever. And I think that that just happened in so many domains there at uh, at NFTL and Outer Edge. In fact, we had a guest on our podcast recording yesterday where she said, uh, so she's a woman uh, from Entertainment, which is a very cool platform that's being built around film. And uh, and she said, you know, and we uh, one of our, our featured projects is this thing called Lucky Duckies. It's like a claymation NFT film project. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. You know, they've been on our podcast. And in my mind, I thought, oh, yeah, well, of course, they were both at that event because they were both connected to us previously. And she said, oh, yeah, we met them at Outer Edge LA. (laughs) Right. And so just just the fact that those kind of arrangements, those kind of connections, like you can't make get up, right? You can't manufacture these stories about um, the type of connections and opportunities that are happening in an event like that. So that's the biggest takeaway for me. I love that. And Siva alluded to that, you know, a minute ago, and I, I'm sure there's some technical or psychological term, <laughs> you know, for it. But I, but I think it also showcases where, where multiple industries are going, is that having connections prior to actually meeting is, is a much more powerful way to do a conference, a meetup, or any, anything else. And I think Siva alluded to that, you know, a little bit of the difference between Y Whales and, and Board Apes. And we're not comparing the two, you know, from a, from a technical side. We're just comparing from the community side. And, and you know, the one thing that I will say, hands down, um, is, is communities will rule Web3. Um, having, you know, influence and being able to, you know, drive, you know, potentially hundreds of millions of people through through concept is is going to be extremely powerful and we're seeing already dynamically the the lawsuits against influencers that have no idea what they're talking about no clue and they're, they're telling people buy this shitcoin buy you know this garbage nft and and you know they're, they're making money on the backside they're getting sued today but but going forward in the future some of the smartest people that are in the space that really do understand you know investments and do understand you know real world value um, will actually be able to, to, to dynamically shave you know, shape the world for better. I mean, think of carbon credits. Like, how about instead of buying an NFT that, you know, is this, like, we can we can do so many things with the technology, but we're still scratching the surface. Steve, I know you have a bunch of thoughts on this. Yeah, yeah. And, man, you know, objective listening to you guys, I mean, my takeaway of what maybe could be a takeaway for you guys is you guys have somehow seemingly centered yourself within the very cultural fabric of Web3, Um you, you've, you're facilitating one of the biggest events. You are bringing in a lot of the biggest influencers. You're bringing in a lot of the biggest uh, innovators that are going to go and promote this space. But you're really proving out where communities, as Jay had mentioned, when we think about major brands and we think about major organizations, and I advise these guys all the time whenever prospective companies and clients come and talk to us, community building is going to be that secret sauce. It's going to be that X factor in terms of what is that next amplification growth lever of your customer acquisition strategies. It's no longer social media. 
right? How, what's my engagement like? What are my metrics? How many followers do I have? What have you? But it's, what is the level of engagement of the communities that have rallied around my brand, right? And we're seeing that at a, with the younger demographics with Gen Z now, where they're having much more inherent brand loyalty to certain brands that um, uh, espouse a lot of the similar values that they have. And Web3 is a great facilitator of that. I'd be interested to hear yeah. how you've seen some projects kind of take and, and kind of harness the power of that or, or what stands out to your mind. Hmm. Well, just on your first point, you know, um, yeah, we, 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 we appreciate sort of the responsibility that comes with doing an event of, of, of this nature in, in LA, which is already sort of such a, a cultural hub um, globally. And for us, it, 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 you know, I look at it as a formula very much like creating a, a recipe um, you know, where you want sort of that unique balance of ingredients in terms of, you know, comfort food or, or folks that already know each other and then some, some new ingredients to stimulate new types of conversations. And, and, and so when we're curating our event and sort of collaborating with different communities, it, it's sort of like, you know, putting together sort of a, a recipe that, that maximizes the the amount of people that can enjoy the experience and get something out of it, um, maybe that they weren't expecting and, and have those magical moments that like, you know, moment where you're like, oh, that that was so good. I didn't expect that. Um, and it's those unexpected aspects of the event that are actually just as important as the um, the ones that are, are predictable that sort of are written down. And, and that's what you can't sort of you can't make it up. You, it, it's 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 an art and a science in terms of putting something like that together. One key part of that, though, that is a little different than Y Wheels is how do you create an event that works for all sorts of communities and sub-communities? Um, and so that was something we put a lot of thought into this past year. And maybe one of our differentiators from some of the other events out there is, is sort of we have this community day that we added to our event, um, which was the, the third day of the event, where it was really an open invitation to every sub-community to have their own events. So the idea being, you know, let's get everyone together for two days to really cross-pollinate and mix ideas, but then let's branch off into our different communities where we can really dive deeper. Um, so there's a wellness activation, there was a philanthropy activation, there was an esports activation. There are all sorts of fun things that happened that that Thursday, I think Dead Fellows did some sort of tattoo party. Um, you know, there were over 75 events that, that occurred. And we had something to do with some of them and, and nothing to do with a lot of them. And, and, and the fact that we were able to sort of strike that balance, I think, was really important instead of like having this sort of competitive nature with side events, which sometimes does happen with conferences. Like, I think you need both. And, and you know, what we, we sort of explain to the different communities is, is a potluck dinner. Like we can we can do all sorts of great stuff together um, or in our in our separate groups and really uh, cultivate community. But let's all come together and sort of see what everyone else is doing too, and, and sort of kind of go across music, across culture, across sports, across entertainment, and see what kind of synergies are there, and then do deeper dives. And, and we hope to do more of that this this next year. It was definitely an interesting experiment. In terms of projects that do a really good job of, of building community, um, you know, got to give a shout out to the on-chain monkey crew. Um, I think what they've done is really fun. 
um, in terms of, um, you know, they, 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 you know, I find myself in a discord earning bananas, um, by, by, by like DMing, um, right. Like, like that's pretty unique and they have these incredibly, um, meaningful sort of side events with, with conferences around the country. And then they have an active digital community as well. So I, th I think they're a good example of what's possible. And they're also sort of breaking boundaries with, with what they're doing with their, their first ever uh, Bitcoin mint coming up on, on May 30th. And, and they, they just constantly are pushing the envelopes of what communities can do. And, and so they, they, they do it in that right balance, I think, of experimentation, but yet authenticity and professionalism um, that comes from like folks in that community that have a lot of business pedigree. That's amazing. And, you know, one of the things, you know, is we, this is a great community conversation. So I, we're just going to go that direction with it. Um, you know, but there's a variety of different communities. Some are, you know, some are focused on capital, some are focused on investing, some are focused on just degen things, because that's what degens do. Um, but, but there's, you know, one of the things is that more powerful ones do have a level of trust. Um, and trust can be, you know, found a variety of different ways. You know, why whales, we find trust because we have transparency, meaning all of our members are KYC'd. Um, they all have my home address my kids' names. They, they know anything and everything about me. That's that's clear where there's no, we don't use the term doxed, like they know where I live. Um, and, and you know, not just a Twitter handle and vice versa. I have that same level of information on each and every one of them. So, um, you know, when we're, when we're speaking, when there's chats going on in, in our Discord or any of our, our, our live live uh, Zooms, you know, I, I'm going to listen to the CEO of one of the largest, you know, Bitcoin mining operations over over somebody who's just an active trader because, you know, they're going to have a lot more, um, you know, knowledge how things go at scale where things are, you know, their theses are different. How do you guys manage, you know, trust inside your communities? Mm, good question. Um, I think uh, as we've been talking about community, um, I've been thinking of something I wanted to share, and then maybe this will connect to your question. Um, I thought of this analogy, you know, where people say, once you want to start owning a lot of stuff, the stuff starts to own you, right? Um, this kind of uh, anti-materialist sort of ideal, right? Um, and I think that it's a similar thing with community. Um, people who are sort of the leadership of a community traditionally uh, sort of imagine that they own the community. And then uh, when events start to turn um, in a direction to really prove how things actually work, you find, you know, in, in a sense, the community owns them, right? <laughs> or the community owns the project or, or whatever it is. Um, and you could think of this just even historically in terms of, of uh, you know, you look at Andrew Carnegie, you know, trying to reduce his workers, uh, you know, increase his workers' hours, reduce their pay to a degree where they strike and it becomes the same. And they they feel like they own that factory, right? And they do, right? And Facebook users inherently are realizing, hey, wait, that's my content. I kind of own that, right? Like Facebook is kind of mine, right? I want more of that. Um, and so I think that, you know, this does, you know, I wasn't sure whether it would, but I just want to share this, but it just does lead to answer your question is building trust is like a transparency and a recognition of this fact, Right? And that's why you see within Web3 
all of these attempts to bring things around, you know, play to earn, you know, learn to earn, listen to earn, watch to earn. It's because there's it, there's this principle that everybody understands, but they're looking to say, hey, listen, this hasn't really worked historically that well. There's been too many loopholes around it. Um, and so, you know, certain people have been able to get past it, but we're reaching a point where technology has advanced to the point where we can, you know, programmatically integrate into the system the fact that the community owns this project just as much as the leaders in, in in many senses. And so just like recognizing that fact from the very beginning, instead of um, trying to obfuscate it and right, get people to sign a terms of service, you know, that's so long they don't understand it. And it basically says that they give up everything that they would have thought that they owned. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's a, oh, sorry, keep going. No, no, go ahead, Jay. Yeah, it, it's a it's a really tough deal because you know we're we're hosting things. We still have you know liabilities that you know when and and listen, communities get out of control very quickly. If if people that don't you know understand or participate in communities and and everything else don't understand kind of what happens at the top level when suddenly you like you wake up and you look and there's just a thread going and and they've collected tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars to go do something and you're like. Uh, Okay, <laughs> like, okay, how how did you document this? What are you doing? Is did you create an SPV? And they're like, no, we're just sending it to this wallet, and we're just going to go do this and that. And I'm like, all right. So you know, it, it's a, it's a real challenge because you want to let the communities roll free. You want to let them be able to do what they want to do, but you also want to protect. You know, and that's something that inherently happens at the top. You want to protect your community and, and keep them safe. And and we see what happens when it when you don't. Um, because the, the repercussions is, is communities can die very quickly, very easily from just a, one or two bad actors or one or two bad circumstances. And, you know, a, a community has to be fed constantly to, to stay alive. Yeah. Um, so I'd, I'd love to hear how you keep them invigorated and, and keep them going with, with, with some minor guardrails. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a really important question. And I think there's a different answer for the show versus um, the event side. And, and maybe there's some parallels there. With regard to um, the show, uh, we've, we've followed a format consistently since day one. We, we, we mess around with different segments of the show. Um, and obviously, independent media um, has hard costs, and it's more expensive to produce a podcast than it is to do a Twitter spaces. Um, but as we sort of looked at our sponsorship policy and, and sort of how we sort of interact with guests, we, we've really tried to keep keep things consistent regardless of whether or not um, someone's a sponsor or non-sponsored guest in terms of the nature of the conversation, the questions we ask, the way that we talk about what they're doing. Our focus has been on exploring the technology and the humans behind the technology, not on launching projects. Um, in fact, when, when folks come to us and say, we really want to be on the show um, because we want to launch a project, we immediately say, we are not a launch pad. We are, you know, we're an opportunity for you to build brand awareness and community. Maybe some people decide to to be part of your community and decide to um, purchase an NFT that, that you have or they get excited. But but our community has, you know, freedom of, of mind when it comes to those decisions. And, and we're not trying to sort of tell them to do anything. Um, we're just making them aware of what's going on in the world around them. And, and so 
that's been sort of our approach in terms of um, how we do content. And, you know, we, we give as much consideration as we can to who's on the show and, and, and not, you know, not try to be um, exclusive about it, but make sure that, A, these are folks that are doing real things um, in the world that are adding real value um, and uh, that they, they're really passionate about it. Um, at the end of the day, these are experiments. Eric Calderon came on our show and acknowledged that Artblox was purely an experiment. Um, and he had no idea, and he delayed the launch because he was too busy trading NBA Top Shots and having a blast over there. So I don't think we want to sort of um, over sort of uh, personify sort of how much methodologicalness there is in the space. Um, at this point, we're still experimenting, um, and I think that's okay. And, and being sort of upfront with our, um, you know, about that with with our guests and having honest, you know, just transparent conversations with them has been, you know, really key. On the event side of it, um, I think it comes down to being as inclusive as possible with. Uh, the type of content that we uh, include and um, how we incorporate folks uh, into the mix um, from all different backgrounds and, 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 and whatnot. So, you know, we, we're really proud of the fact that this year we had 42% of our uh, speakers were women, not because we had a quota on female speakers, but because a lot of incredibly qualified women applied and um, were able to sort of represent their thoughts uh, on the podium, recognizing that 10% of our industry is women right now, um, you know, that was pretty cool that, that we were able to create a safe, comfortable environment where everyone had a voice. Um, and so, you know, as we thought, as the speaker committee thought about who, um, you know, looked at all the qualified applicants, the thousands of applicants to speak, um, yeah, like, what, what have people done? What are they doing? Came into it, but also their background and, and just thinking about representing all the different aspects of the community because people want to go to an event where, where they feel like if they're not on stage, someone that gets them is at least on stage. And I think that also helps to build trust, um, you know, as well as being consistent with following through on our promises and, 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 and sort of that spreading around. I mean, we've had 100 partners this year for Outer Edge. And um, you can't have that many partners if you don't keep your promises, right? Um, and, and so I think um, just just being transparent, having integrity, keeping our promises, um, having that culture within our organization has really um, been our North Star. That's, that's awesome. That's, that's and, and, and I think you just kind of hit on something that's more of an intangible qualifier that's a level above trust, and that is reputation. When you think about what is the X factor within communities, the reason you have trust is because of the reputation within the communities, right? Individuals, they build up enough social clout within their communities that they become reputable within their communities, right? We saw this in the very early days with forums, for example, right? Different users posting and, you know, they, they put very thought out responses and as a result the community of those forums sought them as you know elevated individuals within the community and so when you think about these web three communities and you think about the discords and you think about you know how we're all interacting and you know you have within these communities you have little eco chambers little hive minds so to speak in their own right and and people individuals within them develop their own levels of reputation that the community elevates and you know, I could say that I'm a 
great member of a, an esteemed poster of a lifting community, but no one else gives really could care less about it because it's not a community. It's only a like-minded individuals that are in that community. How do you start when you think about reputation and, and you know, use keeping your promises and eventually that kind of helping you guys attract more sponsors and attract more individuals and better quality of speakers. Where would you recommend in terms of other projects that are looking at building a similar model to yourself? You know, a lot of our listeners have started off with their own podcasts. A lot of listeners of your podcast uh, probably also start off with their own podcast. And a lot of the times they're first uh, in their minds, you know, where can I take this thing? I, do I, you know, do I hit a million users of listeners? Do I, do I hit, you know, 50,000 views on average? How do I start, you know, elevating my experience to start attracting, you know, the William Shatners of the world, right? How do I, how do I get a reputation that's strong enough where I can actually start charging sponsorships? I can actually start hosting live events. It, it, there, there might be some qualified metrics, right? You go ChatGPT it and they might say, hey, you know, it makes sense when you're offset of expenses versus income and blah, 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 blah. But where was that inflection point in your guys' kind of young life so far, company life cycle, that you decided, hey, we can go and make something better. Let's go and invest all of our energy in this off of just a simple podcast that was just NFTs. Mm. I have some thoughts on this. I I, I'm sure Josh probably does too. I'll jump in first. I, I've kind of been studying podcasting for, for many years. I had a previous podcast uh, called the Run With It podcast where we interviewed entrepreneurs and got kind of the business ideas that they were super excited about but knew they couldn't follow because you know they had to focus on their primary project. And that was very fun. Uh, we grew that um, and got to engage and interact with many people. And then I started some groups uh, to engage with other podcasters and study what they're doing uh, to be successful. So I can answer, you know, from my personal opinion, specifically about podcasting, because you addressed it. I think one of the biggest things that I've noticed about podcasting is there's a lot of, um, I don't know if I'll call it misconceptions or underconceptions or sort of artificial limitations on how people think about podcasting in particular. Um, and so when somebody first jumps into podcasting without studying it very much, the, the normal go-to thing that they think is, okay, I want to create a podcast um, and I want to get as many listeners as I can so that they can get advertisers. And, and you know, that's cool. But that is really one of a myriad of ways that you can benefit um, in tremendous ways from podcasting. And knowing about those other ways is, is, and recognizing them, acknowledging them, and studying them is, is very essential. I like to give this example of a podcast that I encountered where they had maybe a handful of listeners, but it generated probably hundreds of thousands in revenue for the folks that were uh, creating that podcast. And the reason behind that was, um, it was a podcast where, uh, it was in the healthcare industry and they had, uh, a service that they could offer certain other healthcare providers. And so they just chose to create a podcast where they could have the folks that would be, there would be clients would come connect with them, have a meaningful conversation, learn more about one another, have that intentional conversation that you wouldn't otherwise be able to have book the conversation that somebody wouldn't just take the phone call, but they would do a podcast, put some cool promotional items around it, you know, make something special out of it, celebrate the occasion. 
And then that person comes back and they say, I want to do business with you because I know you better. We had that meaningful conversation. You know, you celebrated me. This was great. Um, and so, and there hardly had to be any audience at all. It's a very niche audience. It's just people who care about that small uh, piece of healthcare. And so I think that is, is huge. And I do think that that worked well for us too. I mean, we do have sponsors for the podcast. And at the same time, uh, some of the greatest opportunities that we were able to generate were in the 10 to 15 minutes before, or 10 to 15 minutes after having uh, the actual podcast conversation. And you say, hey, you know, let's talk a little bit. Let's talk about you being a part of the event. You know, let's, um, you know, uh, oh, look, we can connect you with this other guest. That would be really cool. We're building a relationship. And um, it, it's really about, I think, in, in that sense, then seeing how much value you can create in whatever way you can create outside of these relationships, intentional conversations, the fact that you can have these conversations now that you might not normally be able to have, how much value can you create out of it? And I would actually advise people um, one thing and the second thing, and then I'll let Josh maybe speak, speak. The first thing is don't focus on getting advertisers and getting a big audience. See what else you can think of, right? Because you can go very far. Um, and then the other thing, which I didn't mention yet, but it's very powerful. I often advise podcasters, don't start with just you. Get somebody else on board. Get some co-hosts. At least get somebody who wants to sit there and edit it and produce it. And I, and I would highly suggest you get somebody that wants to do it for free, to be honest. Uh, because that just means you've got something that's special enough that you don't have to pay someone to do it. Um, of course, you could start to distribute money and celebrate people and reward them as that starts to come in, but have partners because it's hard to do something like podcasting alone. And, um, and I'll hand it over to Josh because Josh is someone who's been able to do things that I would never be able to do out of our podcasting relationships just because we have the relationship. So I don't know. Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, on I, I just want to, I just want to jump in real quick before Josh says, I feel personally attacked, Ethan. I did 180 <laughs> podcasts, 180 podcasts by myself before I finally started adding co-hosts. So it, I, it, it takes me a little longer to learn that, but I will absolutely agree that, that it, it is much better to have co-hosts. It just took me like, two and a half years. Yeah. So uh, go for it, Josh. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I, I would say, um, you know, people ask me uh, if they, you know, my advice on creating a restaurant and, and similarly on, on creating a podcast and, you know, my rest, my advice on, on the restaurant side is, is don't do it. Um, it's probably not going to work. It's, it's extremely difficult. And my advice on a podcast is don't do it for the money um, or as your primary career focus. Um, do it because uh, you love to learn and, and to have interesting conversations with interesting people. Um, the fact that we've taken the directory we have has been more happenstance than some calculated business plan to be quite honest about it um you know the first six months were us just doing content and we hit an inflection point and um it, it, it kind of you know uh took a different tra trajectory from there but uh we, we we sort of um felt chemistry uh as as partners and host after doing a couple episodes together we we're like wow we could do this for a really long time um no matter what right 
um, we, we sort of upped our uh, podcast quality and, and sort of production value and um, curation and, and everything over time. Um, but it was a process and, and it's not something to be taken lightly. People don't realize to do there's different levels of podcast and, and, you know, you could put six people um, into the process and, and there's enough to keep everyone busy um, or you could do it a little bit more um vanilla sort of scrappy style uh both work um but 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 just sort of go into it with sort of open-mindedness and without sort of um expecting the world um and and sort of do it because it complements what else you're doing in your life and for, for the three of us we were just curious about what was going on in the space and that curiosity is what sort of started the adventure man that, that messaging really resonates Man, both of your answers really resonates, I think, with us. You know, the Why Whales podcast, and I think when most organizations embark on an initiative, their first qualification is, what is my ROI? What is my return on investment? Or what is my return on time spent on this thing? But really, you guys have looked at it from, what is the return on value that we can bring as we embark on this? And the Why Whales podcast was simply just a mechanism for us to understand better these Web3 projects, either for our ventures arm, for you know prospective deal flow or consulting solutions, getting smarter on a lot of these topics. And, and what you guys are doing is deciphering, you know, the kind of the unknowns of Web3 projects for a lot of individuals that don't inherently understand Web3. And that's great on what you've accomplished. But what's next? I mean, what's what's next on your guys' time? Like, what are some big things that you guys are doing here? You might have planned here. What's some what's some edge of company alpha that we can get here for the next three to six months that we can expect to see out of you guys? Yeah, I'll I'll start broad and then um, give Ethan a chance to sort of uh, talk about one very specific thing we're up to and excited about. So at the highest level. Um, you know, we've we've sort of taken stock of, of what we're um, what we're particularly adept at and how we can sort of help um, you know companies and, and communities and, and whatnot year round. Um, so uh, we're going to be doing some some bespoke events in LA and, and more broadly, and, and folks can sort of check out our newsletter and, and social to sort of stay abreast of that. Like we're really excited about. Um, all aspects of emerging technology meets entertainment and culture, including gaming and, and AI and, and all those fun topics. And and we, we piloted a hackathon at Outer Edge that was really cool. We had 21 teams, over 100 developers. Really cool that about half of the, the, the participants were women and half of the participants were creators not without coding experience. So we want to sort of play with that model a little bit and, and work with different companies that, that want to sort of... Um, invite people to, to build and create with their technology, whether it's middleware or infrastructure or, um, you know, front end products. Like at the end of the day, we're at a point where all this amazing technology has been built and now people have to use it to do cool things with it. And so we want to help sort of move that aspect of, of our industry along. And then we want to also uh, broaden conversations about what's going on in emerging technology, which which uh, Ethan can share a little bit more detail on. And it's this is definitely a little bit of alpha for, for your audience. Yes. And this That's is, awesome. uh, you know, in the works, um, but it's it's at the point, you know, this is probably actually one of the first times we're really sharing it publicly. So um, 
that's fun and exciting and, and appreciate to be able to share that with you guys. Um, you know, from the start, as Josh said, it's been the edge of company. And really, we care about the edge of everything that's going on in technology and culture. And you'll see that at the Outer Edge event. Um, but that also means that we've got space to uh, expand in all, all sorts of interesting territories where, where folks are, are doing bleeding edge stuff. And so the next podcast project on our roadmap, um, and there's no release date yet, but is the edge of AI podcast. And so we're basically the moment that we're at right now is concepting and development and sort of figuring out exactly, you know, who the first several guests are going to be and how, how it's going to be formatted and all that stuff. But um, it's pretty clearly our next big podcasting project and we're very excited about it. So uh, keep your ear to the ground for that. Um, a great way to continue to keep up with us, which I think we'll probably go to anyway here. But, you know, Subscribe to our Edge of NFT newsletter. Um, if you just go to edgeofnft.com, you could find a way to do that. Subscribe to our Outer Edge LA newsletter. Um, so you can go to outeredge.live to find out more information about that. Um, and uh, and you'll hear about this podcast as it begins to emerge uh, from uh, from behind the scenes. And uh, yeah, so keep an, keep an eye out for that. We're, we're, we're too uh, we're too programmed into uh, you know letting people share this information at the end that we probably did it automatically. But but yeah, yeah there's um, two more things to share. Know, I, I didn't want to <laughs> steal it. You all. can also uh, learn more about upcoming events that we're doing, um, and and often we're media partners for different conferences, um, not only uh, domestically but globally. So. Uh, getting uh, on our email list means learning about um, all sorts of different events happening all over the world. That's amazing, guys, and 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 really couldn't be more proud uh, to have you on our show, and and really just love the fact of what you guys are doing for the asset class. Um, and by the way, AI is part of Web three; it's just the next iteration of, of the web. So you know, it's all going to fit together. You know, the the we spend a lot of time on how does blockchain, AI, crypto, NFTs, and all this stuff how do they intermix? Um, and it's just an amazing concept because individually, none of these things are really that as exciting as it sounds. Um, but when we start adding them together, it's it's going to dynamically change the world, and it already has in every single way. But um, love it. Thank you so much, guys, for, for coming by. Uh, we really appreciate it. Why Whales, uh, thank, you, thank you to Siva for uh, co-hosting with me. And Why Whales, this is uh, Joshua and Ethan from Edge of NFT. We'll see you guys next time. Why Whales was founded in 2021 by Jay Steinbeck, a passionate entrepreneur and business owner with the purpose of bringing YPO and YNG members together in the cryptoverse. YWales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members. To be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show in your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywales.com. YWales is not affiliated with YPO, but at this time only allow for YPO, YPO Gold, and YNG members due to privacy and confidentiality. Support and production for today's episode was done by Truthwork Media. Nothing in the podcast constitutes professional and or financial advice, nor does any information on the podcast constitute a comprehensive or complete statement of the matters discussed or the law relating thereto.